Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. We're talking today back into our series on persevering together on growing up. That's First Peter. He's going to talk in this passage today about how we are called to grow up. Amen? Grow up. Tell, tell somebody, grow up. Grow up today, yeah. Be nice, be nice. Grow up, but it's just a nice one. Yeah, I heard about this mother one Sunday morning, and she went into her son's bedroom, and she said, son, wake up, it's time to go to church. And he kind of groaned and rolled over, and, and uh, no, mom, I'm not going to church today. And she said, what do you mean you're not going? Why not? He said, mom, I've got two good reasons. Number one, I don't like those people. Number two, they don't like me. And she said, son, that's no excuse. I'll, gu- I'll give you two better reasons why you should go. Number one, you're 59 years old. <laughs> and number two, you're the pastor. <clears throat> Talk about growing up today. But I love you. And I'm thankful for you. And that we get to gather together in his name today. We've been going through 1 Peter. And this is part three. We're in chapter two today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go through verses 1 through 10 uh, in this book that is inspiring us to persevere no matter what you're going through today. This first letter of Peter in the New Testament is really written to a church that's in distress. They're in distress, and Peter encouraged them by pointing to a common hope, a common power at work, among them that binds them together, that really puts them together. There's a cohesiveness. Now, two weeks ago, to illustrate the theme of 1 Peter, I talked about, you know, when cows, you know, encounter a storm, what do they do? They scatter. Rather, bisons, when they encounter the storm, they come and huddle together and they walk directly into the storm. And we are called to go directly into the storm. God's with us. And we are not called to scatter. The word persevere means steadfastness under pressure. That you and I are steadfast under the pressure that you and I are going through today. And so the first 10 verses of chapter 2, we find a command and then an an explanation for how to accomplish the command. So the command, very simple, is this, grow up. And so verse 1, therefore rid yourself of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, Like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. Now, this is an imperative here that that, that Peter is impressing upon that church and to us as, as well, that this is his desire and God's desire for each and every one of us. The behavior he mentions there, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, these are spiritually childish behaviors that, Peter's saying, you need to leave those things behind and grow up. Peter's saying, what happens if we live there, they're community busters. They actually don't draw us together. They actually cause us to repel one another. And so they don't foster togetherness. So he is concerned because some of those believers don't appear to have gotten past the baby stage in Jesus. And he fears that they will just remain as spiritual toddlers and rather than growing up. He says, you're going to need to grow up because you're going to have to endure the persecution that is coming. 
And Peter says, because you haven't grown up, and I've always thought Peter's analogy with young children here is really helpful. Think about kids in light of those words in verse one, the malice, the envy, the deceit. You know, children, we know they're young, they're naive, they're unstable in their emotions, aren't they? right? They go from one extreme to the other really fast. At one moment, they're very happy. At another moment, they're on the floor kicking and screaming, right? And that happens at usually the worst time, Target, Walmart, wherever it may be, right? Kids can be insecure, right? That, that's because they're young. Kids can be gullible. Kids will believe just about anything. One more is kids can be very possessive. How many of you know that one? You know that one from your own children, Every parent knows that one word declaration that defines arguments between siblings intending to settle disagreement. What is it? Mine, right? I hold tightly to it because my happiness is wrapped up inside of this right now and you're not taking this away from me. In 1 Peter, he's saying, listen, you need to get rid of all of that stuff. Those are from childish, insecure, possessive ways of looking and living in the world. You know, and many Christians can be like this as well. But you see that he's going to tell us how, and I love Peter because he doesn't just like smack us upside the head and say, hurry up and live this way, but he gives us four practical ways inside of these 10 verses to grow up. So they are drink the word, they are establish your foundation, embrace your identity, and excel at your purpose. Number one, drink the word. Can you say that with me? Drink the word, he says in verse two, like newborn infants desire, drink it, crave it, the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. Number, verse three, and if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Do you remember, I don't know, here in years back about a guy named Morgan Spurlock who ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner at McDonald's for 30 days in a row? In the article that was written on this, it says even though he was taking in about 5,000 calories a day, he felt hungry soon after eating. Within two weeks, his doctors, alarmed by unhealthy blood test results, advised him They advised him to quit the experiment. He refused. He felt lousy, yeah, but amazingly felt much better as soon as he ate more, he said. His registered dietitian told him he was becoming addicted to junk food. By the third week, he began to experience heart palpitations, chest pain, breathlessness, and his doctor told him he was trashing his liver, that it has a fatty-type liver like a long-term alcoholic, All three of his doctors begged him to stop the diet and return to a low-fat diet. Before his 30 days were up, Spurlock was a sick man. He gained 24 pounds in 30 days, had high cholesterol, high blood glucose, high blood pressure. His liver values indicated he had serious liver damage. His fat level had soared, and he was often moody and exhausted. Go figure, right? So when you're intaking all of the junk because that's sometimes what we do, we're going to feel pretty lousy and exhausted all the time. I don't know if you heard about this, but this week, McDonald's is bringing out the adult Happy Meal. This is true. And so the adult Happy Meal, and there's a toy inside. So for all you adults to make you happy. Hey, at my age, do you know what I'm saying? Hey, skip the toy, just put in the ibuprofen for you, right? (laughs) I mean, if you're with me, right? Um, babies grow by drinking milk. 
lots of it, several times a day, not just one time a week, but all day, throughout the day, several times. And you and I need to crave the milk of God's word several times on any given day. Imagine if a mother only fed their baby one day a week, what would happen? If it even survived, it would be very malnourished. Plenty of research shows the correlation between spiritual maturity and reading God's word. Research is out there. It's shown to be true. And so that uh, reading and studying the Bible are still activities that have the most impact of growth on people's spiritual walk on any given day. And so Peter, in these three, these verses, he gives us three qualities of the word. He says, first, the word is imperishable. It can never be taken away. We talked about this two weeks ago, where it tells us that everything else in the world is temporary, but God's word is forever. Amen? If you build your life on anything else, whether it's the approval of others, you're going to feel insecure and constantly anxious. Whatever it is, eventually it will fade. And if your life is built on that, it's not going to be very stable. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think how things change throughout the years. It's kind of crazy to think that, you know, there's like some high school students right now. They don't even know who Michael Jordan is. Now, I'm not talking about Michael B. Jordan because they know who he is, but Michael Jordan, the great 23, right? Chicago Bulls are like, who is that player, right? It kind of seems kind of, what, what seems rock solid and permanent in one generation is gone and forgotten by the next, Right? And so the only way that you and I find permanence in your life is to build our life on the word of God that does not change. Second, he says the word is living. It is living. The, the Bible is not just a, a book of theological doctrine, premises. It's living. It's the breathing word of God. And so it's in, in this book that you and I encounter literally the very voice of God, the same voice that created the stars, healed the lepers, gave sight to the blind, and raised the dead. So scripture is not just about learning ancient truths. It's about God speaking to you and to me in real time with real direction in our life. So without this word in our life constantly, our souls will shrivel up and die. Think about that. We need to crave this word because it is so valuable. It's living, it's breathing. Third, the word gives you confidence. It really does. If you look at verse three, you see where he says, in the word you have tasted that the Lord is good. Throughout, throughout the book, Peter, he interchanges the word of God in the person of Jesus seamlessly. At the end of chapter one, Peter is talking about building our lives on the word. And then chapter two, he shifts to the rock we build on, and that being Jesus. For, for Peter, the word and Jesus are the same. They are the same. In, in, the, in the word of the gospel, you meet Jesus who gives you a taste of the goodness of God and teaches you that in all things, you can trust him, amen? In Jesus, he loves you at your worst moments of your life, and he still loves you, and he will love you to the very end. So Peter says, nourish yourself constantly on the good gospel word. Drink it like a baby drinks milk to survive. And without it, we will be undernourished. For some of you, the only Bible you get is when you hear it on Sunday or in your car. 
Do you have a daily time where you're reading the word of God and you're getting it into your spirit? You need to hear God throughout the day over and over and over again. Listen, many people want to hear God. If you want to hear God, read this. If you want to hear God, you read this. That's how you hear God. That's how he will speak to you first and foremost. Yeah, there's other ways, but the word, it's living and active, that gives you confidence, that does not perish. He will speak to you if you're reading the word. Listen, 10% of everything Jesus is recorded as saying was a quotation of previous scripture, 10%. He was saturated in it, and so should we. As a Christian at, at any age, but especially a younger one, the most important thing you need is a steady diet of God's word, the imperishable gospel. You know, you may say, well, I just really don't feel like reading the word. I hear that a lot. I just don't know. I'm not sure how it applies. What, what do I do if I'm not craving that? And I love what John Piper wrote, pastor, author. He says, what he does is he prays the IOUs. And you can, these come directly from the Psalms. So the I is incline, God, my heart to your understanding. Oh, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your word. Unite my heart to fear your name. Satisfy me this morning with your unfailing love. Aren't those good? When you find that, hey, you're kind of pulling back from God, you're pulling back from the word, begin to pray the IOUs that incline my heart, open my eyes, unite my heart, satisfy me this morning, God, with your unfailing love. Number two, establish your foundation. Verse four, as you come to him, a, what does it say? A living stone rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God. You yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. That he is saying this together in Christ, you and I are living stones built up together to give him praise and to give him honor. We're, we're living stones, right? So, so in my terminology, I'm just gonna take you back. You're a brick house. Hello? Why don't you tell somebody now, you're a brick house. You are a brick house, right? Talk about the church here, you know. You're mighty, mighty to do what God has called you to do. But you're living stones, living stones, and uh, called to give him praise. Part of drinking in the word is establishing your foundation. It's what you build your life on. That, that key word, cornerstone, I'm not a builder, but I know and read enough that the cornerstone is the most important stone uh, in the foundation. The cornerstone holds it all together, all the other stones. You got the cornerstone right, you get everything else right. And that's what he's saying. Martin Luther, uh, commenting on this passage, said that for each of us, our lives have a cornerstone. Your cornerstone is whatever you build the rest of your life on. It's your anchor 
It's your foundation. It's what you turn back to when other parts of your life begin to crumble. So when life falls apart for you, what do you retreat to and what do you tell yourself? Do you say that there's hope, that it's gonna be okay? Paul tells us that if your cornerstone is anything else but Jesus, your life will be characterized by instability manifested in all these things that Peter just talked about in verse one. He says, because if you don't have that right, he says, you're gonna be in all these things that break up community and destroy your life. Look at what he says in verse seven. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone. Jesus will be a stone that you either build your life on or one, a stone to trip and stumble over and a rock to trip over. Because he says, if, if it's not your cornerstone, what's gonna happen, you're gonna trip over it. It's either one way or another that you're gonna have to deal with it. And so I love it in there because some uh, versions say he is the capstone. He is the beautiful ending of the building when we look at it. I think we should just celebrate that if we can today, that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Third, embrace your identity. Verse nine, but you are, he says, this is who you are now. This is who, you used to be this way, but this is who you are now. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation and a people for his possession. Listen, establishing your foundation will lead you to embracing your new identity. And I wanna talk to you about this concept of identity here for just a moment in, in understanding. Identity simply defined is your self-definition of who you are, your value, the role you are here to play. You know, identity is what the most important person or people in your life think about you. Think about that for just a moment because that's what it really comes down to for, for many of us. What is identity is what the most important person or people in your life thinks about you. Who is that for you? Who is that person? Most of us live our whole lives plagued with the question, am I enough? And we try to prove ourselves and others that we are enough. Am I man enough? Am I woman enough? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I skinny enough? Am I good enough? And the point of, of this is we are flooded with this every single day of our lives through TV and radio, the internet, social media, that you're not a good enough mom unless you do this. You're not a good enough dad unless you buy that. You're not a good enough person unless you take this trip. You're not good enough unless, and all these products try to get to us and all this, this, this wrongful uh, untruth that is surrounding us every day that comes in floods our life. We hear it all day. You're not yet blank enough. You fill it in for you. And even if you're enough right now, you may live in fear that one day you won't. Like, like Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of his generation, but one day he'll be surpassed and forgotten. Michael Phelps was the greatest swimmer, but that won't last forever. But, but you know, it's so interesting that we take a look at these things because we're flooded with this all throughout the day in our life. How many of you have seen the, the movie The Greatest Showman? You've seen that? It's a fictional account of P.T. Barnum's rise to success. There's a moving scene where his prospective father-in-law tells him he will never be good enough for his daughter. 
And he says, see, she'll see that and one day come back. She'll grow tired of the poor life you are able to give her. And that played into his deep insecurity he had, one that we all have. So no matter how successful Barnum was, he was never satisfied. His wife begged him to realize that he was good enough, but he just couldn't shake it. Instagram and Facebook are built on showing you and me that you are not enough. Every buddy puts up a fake life designed to scream, you're okay, but I'm more. And you wonder, am I really enough? She puts up the picture of the perfect little kids, and you're looking at their kids, and you're looking past the picture many times, and you're seeing their new kitchen. And you're like, why is their life so much better than mine? The American College uh, Health Association has noted the rising anxiety in this generation of students entering college, and they said it's because the primary message children receive is that they better be the best at everything or they will not make it in life. They're afraid of their inadequacies, and they got so much insecurity that plays into them. Peter tells us that we can stop this frantic race to the top because Jesus is our foundation. We have a new identity. Oh, I hope you get this. You are a chosen race. God says he chose you and me to be in his family. I love that. What's more, you and I are a royal priesthood. You are royalty. In Israel, the chosen people, there was a special chosen line of royalty. What was that? The line, the line of Judah. And separately, the chosen line of priesthood, that's the line of Levi. Peter says in Jesus, you are all of these things. You are the chosen of the chosen of the chosen. I'm going to say this again because you're a little, you are the chosen of the chosen of the chosen today. Amen? That's who he's called you to be. That's what he's saying inside of this. Peter says, you're all of these things. You're all of them. You are a valued possession because Jesus purchased you with his blood. The king of kings has set his affection on you and he has a plan for your life. No matter how old you are, no matter what you are going through today, that he has set his affection on you today. Friend, what more do you need to be enough? What more? You, you know, you and I are not enough because we're more remarkable than someone else or because someone's, you know, because you got to the top in front of somebody else, but because God loves you, stands behind you, and puts you into his service and has called you to be his own. Listen, especially you kids, high school, middle, you, you will never win enough to feel like you are enough. I think you, so we, we need it say this and the good news is that you don't need to Jesus won for you he values you he's promised his love to you and his plan is good see you have to choose whether you build your identity on smart pretty strong athletic popular rich righteous enough or because of who you are in Christ Jesus and if you can build, we can build our identity on that. That's what's most important. That's what it means to be built up as living stones. Before I move on, some of you need to hear this. You need to release yourself from the self-imposed obligation to be enough for others. 
to be enough for others. You know, your identity will end up being one of the most important things about you. It will, it will shape how you respond to everything else that you do and who you are in your Christian life and, and the confidence you have in difficulty, the optimism in the face of opposition, the hope you feel in trial. Your identity in Christ is the most important thing in who you are. Number four, excel at your purpose. The second part of verse 9, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous what? Light. He's called every single one of us out of darkness. And he's called us into his marvelous light. Uh, once you drink the word, you establish your foundation and you embrace your identity, you are ready now to live out your purpose. Our job is to proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into light. I, I love Peter's imagery here. In Genesis, God created the world out of nothing. There was nothing. Then God created everything. That's you. You and I were completely unrighteous, spiritually dead. And then God spoke and made you righteous and alive. He says, you need to proclaim that. You need to proclaim that in your life. That, that, that's the role for all of us in, in whatever days we have left upon this earth, that God shows us that the measure of our lives is not how many people knew your name, but how many people you caused to know his name. Church, if we can get that right, that's to the glory of God. Amen? I'm not, I don't really care if people sing my praise. That's not my deal. When you and I live as surrendered vessels, that all the glory and all the praise belongs to him. All the glory, all the praise, and all the adoration because it came from him in the first place. And so Peter is saying, listen, that's your call. It's an amazing call. You've been called out of darkness to do this. You have a new identity. You need to embrace it. It's what God's created us for. And, and Peter's saying, listen, you're never going to grow up spiritually unless you get this right. Finding your purpose is one of the most important things about you and essentially understanding that enables you and I to grow up in him. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So these four things tied together in the process of growing up, drinking the word, establishing your foundation, embracing your identity, and excelling at your purpose. Peter says that this word, this hope, this new identity is offered to you in Jesus, the chief cornerstone. We were in darkness until God called us into the light. We were not a people until God made us his people, chosen of him. We had not received mercy until God showered his mercy on us. That God made you who you are so that you could tell the world who he is. We exist to advertise God's excellence to the world. We are in the PR business for Jesus. We are God's agents on this earth. 
And this is a full-time job description of a royal priesthood to declare the glories of God and who he is. Where does that leave us this morning? It ought to leave us incredibly thankful to God. Next month's Thanksgiving, you shouldn't hold up all your Thanksgiving until the month of November. Amen? You and I should be thankful. I think some people wait to that one day. God, thank you for this turkey. Not my husband. God, thank you. Thank you for what you have done for me. That should leave the body of Christ incredibly grateful and thankful today for the blessings that have been bestowed upon us that we are nothing without him and we need him. Rejoice and give thanks to the Lord. The apostle the Peter saying, and bless his name. And so through that, Peter's saying, hey, welcome to the priesthood. Welcome to the priesthood. That's a beautiful thing about it. You've been called out. You're a priest before God. And so I pray that that will cause us to praise his name and cause us to bless him and give him thanks today for who he is in our lives, who he is in this church, who God's called us to be in this community. And that when we walk out of here today, that we are living advertisements for Jesus Christ in his kingdom, for his glory and for his purposes. Amen, church? Amen. Father, I thank you for this, these 10 verses of 1 Peter chapter 2 that reminds us today, God, that we are called to drink the word, your word, every day. And Lord, that we would establish our foundation, Lord, in you. Lord, if you are not the chief cornerstone, then you will become a stumbling block to us. God, I pray that we would embrace our identity in you. So many people, young and old alike, are struggling with their identity inside of you and who you are. But God, you've told us who we are. You've called us. We're in the line of Judah. We're in the same priesthood as Levi in the Old Testament. So you've called us to this, to do it. And yet you've called us to excel at our purpose. Lord, not just on Sundays, not just when we feel like it, but Lord, that we would sing your praises in our lives every day and give you the glory and give you the honor and give you the praise because God, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of all the glory, God. Not that people know our names, but God, that we can point others to you so that they'll know your name. Help us to get that right. And that, God, we are enough inside of you. And that we would stop struggling and trying to find, Lord, our identity in the wrong things that keep us from growing together. In your precious name, I thank you for that. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.